Hello, amazing, beautiful ladies. You are listening to the Igbo Women's Initiative podcast with Ugochi Onyewu. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the Igbo Initiative podcast, where we celebrate all things Igbo. We speak to amazing women in different walks of life who are either Igbo or who are friends of Igbo culture. I just finished a thoroughly enjoyable chat with my guest on today's episode, Maureen Ume. Maureen Ume is an anchor and reporter for Fox 5 Morning. Maureen's career in TV started a number of years ago when she landed a full-time reporting job at WCIA TV right after she graduated from college. She has been honored with several awards for her work. They include an Emmy for Best Investigative Series and Best Newscast. She has also been honored by many other organizations, including the South Carolina Television and Arts Association, the Illinois Broadcasters Association, and the NAACP. Maureen has served as the chairwoman for the Upstate Leadership Council of the American Cancer Society and also worked with nonprofit organizations, including Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and Matthew House, an agency for disadvantaged youth. She also serves on the board of the African Women's Cancer Awareness Association and mentions their upcoming gala in the Washington, D.C. metro area on Saturday, October 26th. In spite of these major accomplishments, she says that her daughter is undoubtedly her biggest accomplishment. I found Maureen to be humble, down to earth and so warm. In today's episode, we discuss her journey and advice she would give to anyone wishing to follow a similar path. Maureen talks about the fact that no knowledge is lost knowledge. This was truly a heartwarming conversation. Hi, Maureen. It's so nice to talk to you today. How are you? I am doing fantastic. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Yes, I know you're busy, so I really appreciate the time. I'm really excited to have this discussion with you and get to know you a little bit. So maybe you can just start off, just tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Tell them where you were born, what your background is, where you grew up, anything about you that we can kind of use to get to know you a little better. That would be great. Okay, so let me start from the top. I always tell people this. I'm Nigerian 100, 1,000%. I always get that question. Are you Nigerian? Did you change your name? I am Nigerian through and through. Um, I, I was born in Omahia. Uh, it used to be Emo State, but now it's Abia State. Yes. Um, lived there until I was about six years old. My family relocated mostly to the Chicago region. Uh, whereas where I, I kind of when people ask where are you from I always kind of give them the two places I'm Nigerian but I grew up in Chicago um, and so but but that's really who I am at my core I am a Nigerian woman I feel like I grew up in two different worlds where mm. you, you have the traditional values that you hold especially our Igbo values and then of course being American you have that and you're trying to juxtapose the two to make it work Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. But um, I'm I'm also very passionate about my 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 motherland and hopes to make a difference um, with the platform platform that I've been afforded as a television journalist. Wonderful, wonderful. And and you know, I am curious, Maureen. Did you grow up speaking Igbo, or is is Igbo a language you learned, or do you not speak at all? Not Igbo, not Igbo. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so, you know, like, I do, but but you know, the thing for me with Igbo is. 
I, I understand everything. Speaking Igbo, um, unless I'm being spoken to all the time, I have to think about what I need to say mm-hmm. and then say it. Whenever I get to spend time in Nigeria, it comes back right away and I can speak it. Uh, but, of course, people make fun of me saying I speak Igbo with an American accent. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree at all. But I do speak Igbo. My parents speak Igbo to me. I'm endeavoring to speak Igbo to my daughter. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing that's very important to me. I want her to speak Igbo and to really have a full, robust understanding of who we are as Igbo people and then to a greater extent as Nigerians. I love it. I love it. And, yeah, maybe if we have some time at the end, I'll throw in one or two questions in Igbo just to hear you speak in Igbo. I'd love to hear you speak a little okay yeah you'll wait perfect okay <laughs> so talk to us Maureen a little bit about the impact sounds like your mother had on your life or your parents perhaps you could talk to us a little bit about that okay well my parents are, are everything to me mm. I, I adore those two people immensely mm. my dad's a medical doctor you know my mom actually they met when my dad was in med school she was in nursing school she didn't go on to do nursing she actually became a college professor mm. but you know my parents uh, my, my overall family view my family you know these are just some salt of the earth amazingly good people you mm. know they just have a heart for people very kind um, I will say coming up I, I can't even lie I had a, a beautiful charmed childhood mm-hmm. my father was in incredibly successful. He had one of the most successful hospitals in the Umahia area mm. called Heartland Hospital. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. you know, I grew up, yeah, and so I grew up in a very privileged environment. But the thing about my parents is they were so giving that I didn't realize the, you know, the, the circumstances behind our, our family. I just thought, you know, we have it, we give to people, mm. and, and, you know, the more the merrier. Mm. And that's how I was raised, to really, to look out for people, to be kind. Mm. Uh, I come from a, a Catholic family, so the, the religious aspect is also very big. Yeah. Uh, but my mom and dad are two people who've lived their whole lives giving back and mm. helping people, sometimes to their own detriment. Mm. And I find myself in that same vein and of course, you know, I have one daughter, but I, I raised her in the same way. My siblings and I are very close, and we're just a very strong family unit. Mm. Uh, you know, we, we do things together, but not to the exclusion, exclusion of other people, uh, which I find, I, it's, I think it's so important. A lot of families are close, and it's just them. Yeah. But, you know, I, I love that we include people, and, and we're always looking out for people, and that is so important to me. So my mom and dad, hats off to them, and and you know, their parents who raised them mm. for just being good people. If they weren't my parents, I'd want to be their friend. <laughs> and I, I think that's probably the best compliment you can give to someone is if I weren't related to you, I'd want to at least have you in my life in some way. Oh, yeah, that is that is wonderful. And you know, it's so interesting, the impact our parents have on us and the type of people that we end up being as well, you know, so Absolutely. it's great. It's Absolutely. so great that you can attribute <laughs> some of the reasons why you're amazing to them. Of course, some of it oh, is just God. you. <laughs> I will talk a little oh, bit about that. Kind. Oh, of course, of you're course. Kind. Did you always know you wanted to be an anchor? What made you choose this career? Very curious. <laughs> um, I've known I wanted to be, a, well, I'll call it a journalist because, you know, when you're an anchor, it's just sitting behind a desk. I mm. wanted to be a reporter from the time I was little, only because I was curious about everything. Um, and I And I loved watching reporters who I felt were exposing the truth and getting to the bottom of things. It just seemed so exciting to me. And then I always say this, being a second of four children, I felt like I was the middle child and I needed to be seen and heard. 
And so for me, journalism, especially TV journalism, was perhaps a way for me to be seen and heard. I didn't (laughs) want to just be a byline on a newspaper. I wanted to be seen and heard. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know what it would take to get there. So I, I was this kid who, in grade school, I was reading the school bulletins, writing for the school paper. I continued that through high school, uh, the debate team, anything and everything I could do that I thought would get me ready uh, to be a journalist. And in, in college, I did every internship. I had a radio talk show. Uh, you know, I wrote for the paper. I actually got internships in, in the college uh, TV stations but in town there um, and really worked my butt off. You know, nothing was ever handed to me. I worked mm-hmm. my butt off because I heard the horror stories. You're never going to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was determined. There was no, was not even an answer. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents mm-hmm. didn't want me to do this. You know, as a Nigerian, they wanted me to be a doctor or a <laughs> lawyer. Course. And I told them, no, I'm going to do this. And I was shocked that they left me alone. Hmm. I, again, I think it's being the middle child. You know, my older sister, the pressure was on her. Mm-hmm. My brother, mm-hmm. you know, it's the first son and then the baby, last boy. I was sort of the middle and I kind of felt they maybe forgot about me. So they weren't really checking to see what I was doing. And so they, did, they didn't push the law school thing too much. When I got into, into uh, my, my career as a journalist, making like no money and coming home every weekend and borrowing money, uh, you know, they'd say, why don't you leave this thing and go to law school? It didn't happen. And then, of course, now through my job, I've gotten to do some of the most amazing things and have pulled them into it. So, you right. know, no one ever asks me anymore, why are you doing this thing? No, right. please. Right. Now right. when they get to go to Emmys and things like that, uh, those yes. events, they don't ask me questions. Exactly. <laughs> they don't ask me anything anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you're obviously, you know, you're, you've, you're, you've done really well for yourself. You're successful. So, of course, the, the end justified the means, right? But, uh, amen, amen. <laughs> it, it's interesting that you talk about this because as you were talking, you know, it, it, it's clear that you were very intense intentional you knew that you wanted to be a journalist and you knew what you had to do to get there right and you did whatever you could to it's interesting because when we talk to some of the other guests that I've had have kind of fallen into or maybe didn't quite choose their path and kind of it worked out that way so it's interesting that yours was yep I knew from day one I wanted to be a journalist and this is what I have to do and this is what I'm going to go after to get there which is great I mean I wasn't I wasn't math wasn't my thing I wasn't even pretending to be interested in that (laughs) I was more into linguistics, you know, English, and Mm -hmm. and actually more like my mom. My mom always said that had she grown up in this country, she thinks she she would have probably done something similar or something more creative, you know, uh, expressive and like a theater or something. Mm -hmm. So maybe in some ways I took after her in in that regard. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, you know, it just, it was, it was just what I felt like I wanted to do. Um, And I, and I also, when I came here as a child at like six years old, and you kind of get mistreated, you know, you're, you're black, but you're not fully black. And I hope I don't offend anyone by saying that, but this is my reality, right? right. So, you know, you're not, you're not quite, you're, you have to find your space. Mm-hmm. And I felt that there are too many people like me who didn't have a voice. And I was always the kid, uh, coming back to what I told you about my parents and having a heart for people, I was always the kid who fought for other kids, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like journalism, um, just every box for me, it was checked with this career, you know, mm-hmm. um, my, my, my desire to want to help people, my need to be seen and heard, my love for storytelling. Mm-hmm. Journalism just checked all those boxes for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And, and, you know, tell the audience where you are today, maybe talk through just at a high level, how you got to what you're doing today. Well, thank you, first of all. And, you know, the thing is, it's not easy. This, this, business is so hard mm. and to be a television journalist i've been at fox 5 now for 17 years which is unheard of mm. before then mm. i worked for cbs affiliates and some cable networks 
Um, you know, to ascend to a market like D.C., you, in the old days when I came up, you had to work through the ranks mm-hmm. and go through smaller markets, pay your dues. You know, you, become, you, you report, you anchor, you do everything, and then hopefully you make it to a market, a top 10 market like uh, D.C. or New York, wherever you want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mm-hmm. didn't come to D.C. with the intention of staying here. This was a pit stop. Mm-hmm. You know, I came here to... to, to get an old love back that didn't happen mm. but I got the job <laughs> and so and, and I just I sort of stumbled into this job which is unheard of the mm. news director knew me because when she was in, in Baltimore she wanted to hire me then but I didn't take that job I took one in South Carolina instead because I'd never lived in the south and I mm. wanted to know what that felt like mm-hmm. uh I, you know if you want to tell every man and every woman's story you should at least have walked in their shoes a little bit if you can right so i wanted to live mm-hmm. in the south to get a, to get that experience but anyway so she wanted to hire me in baltimore she didn't now she's in dc i come up here and maybe it was just you know bravado just like i'm here what are you going to do she's like when can you start wow this is unheard of yeah. unheard of in this business right but, um, you know, I think, I think when you just have such belief in yourself and, and you're like, I can do this, it happened. And so fast, fast forward, I've worked every shift of Fox 5, weekend anchoring, weekday anchoring, evening anchoring. I'm now on the morning shift. Mm. Um, it's not an easy job. You sacrifice a lot. Mm. They're weekend, you work weekends, nights, holidays, uh, what, snowstorms, any inclement weather, you have to work. There are no excuses. Mm. So it, it looks glamorous, perhaps from those watching, but when you're in it, there's a lot of sacrifice that you have to make. Mm. Uh, and you really have to know that this is what you want. You know, it, it's not, I, I see myself on TV and I look beautiful. That's the smallest part of what I do every day. Right. Yeah, what I do is storytelling, uh, setting up interviews, um, digging for stuff. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's not easy, but for me, because it's what I always want to do, it's well worth it at every turn. It's interesting that you talk about, you know, really making sure that it's what you want to do. And you talked about being on the morning show. Um, I know that right now you get up at about 2.30 a.m. to be on air. Is it at 4.30? <laughs> like, how is that even possible? Yes, <laughs> it, it, it is impossible. And it, I, I, I'm telling you. Back in, I remember before I had my daughter, if anyone had told me I could do this shift, I would have said, you're crazy. But because of her, it's the best shift really for moms because I don't get to take her to school, but in the afternoon, I'm done and I can mm-hmm. be there to pick her up and do homework after school activities. So in lieu of a perfect nine to five type job, uh, which there really doesn't exist in TV, at least mm-hmm. not, not too much, mm-hmm. this is the best shift. It's mm-hmm. ungodly to wake up at 2.30, takes a toll on your health. <laughs> Uh, your relationships. Uh, but if you had to consider everything, for me anyway, it is really the best option for me. Wow. Um, you know, I, yeah, it's like, to your point, um, it's the best option for you now. But I guess my question, just out of curiosity, is are there some benefits at least to waking up that early? Do you find you get more done during the day? Or is it just that you're waking up so that you can be done? Do you see what I mean? <laughs> no, well, well, if you're if you're re- when I'm being good, um, yes, you can get things done when you get off of work around like noon. You can. But let me tell you, in the last couple of years, this shift has been hard because personally, you know, I just, it's not, it hasn't been good for my health. There's been weight gain mm. and, you know, I don't sleep, I don't take naps. And so you have to find that balance, especially as you get older and you can't, the things you used to do, you can't do as much anymore. Right. So I'm having to strike a better balance and also outside interests I have beyond journalism, you try to fit that in. So I have, I have a, like a media training company 
my clients, some of them sometimes want to do things after I get off work. You're dead tired, but yeah. you got to do it because right. I signed up for it. So there, it, it can take a toll. You can get a lot done, but you really have to be organized, and you just got to find that stamina from somewhere, uh, you know, a higher power, whatever. But you, if you got to do it, you got to do it, right? Wow. Yeah, you know, yeah, you, you do. But some would be like, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, it's it's great that you've made this determination, you know what the sacrifice is, and you're living it. And you know, one of the things that um, I can imagine is that there are a lot of obstacles to your point, it's a really tough job. And you had to, you know, you, you were determined to get to where you are now. So just for the audience, what I'd like to do is ask you a few questions based on your experience that maybe could help some of our listeners out there, not necessarily that they want to be anchors, but in ways that they can sort of gain control over their own lives. So one of them that I, you know, one of the things I'm really curious about is how do you stay persistent in the face of obstacles? Because I'm sure there have been many. Absolutely. Um, you know, I don't claim to have the answers, but I will tell you something. Being an evil woman, mm. I find that as I get older, there's something about that that really drives me and sustains me. And I feel like I have, you know, I don't know if it's the legacy of my ancestors or what it is, but that's what fuels me. I don't like being told what to do. Yeah. And I don't like hearing no. Yeah. Um, and I, I have to just say that's the evil in me. Yeah. I, when I'm determined, I do it. And I don't, I don't take no for an answer because I figure, look, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, and so I, I, I know a lot of people who I work with, they can never, they can't figure me out. And mm -hmm. I find that funny because <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know that we have the option of breaking. Mm -hmm. I just don't, mm -hmm. you know, I just, I just don't, it's not an option for me. Maybe it's not healthy. Uh, you know, someone who's a psychiatrist or psychologist can maybe make a case of it, but I just don't find that to be an option. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we have a strength that just sustains us through so much. Mm -hmm. So, um, Again, what I'm talking about is for me. You know, everyone has their own different path, but mm -hmm. I just feel like for me, I don't take no for an answer. If it's mm. something I really want, mm. I will find a way to make that thing happen. Mm. Mm. And I'm sure it's the same strength. Well, I won't speak for you, but it, it sounds like it's the same strength mm -hmm. that helps you deal with really highly stressful situations as well, right? How do you mm -hmm. stay calm under pressure? <laughs> my goodness, it's the same thing, you yeah. know, and also my faith. You know, mm -hmm. I think for me, I'm, I'm an emotional person. And when I get angry, I get more emotional. Um, but I have to keep my, my anger about certain things in check. You know, when I see social injustices, my heart can't take it. You know, mm. I just can't. Mm. But you have to work, find a way to work, work around that. Um, you know, and there are things that happen even, even in the workforce, in our, in, our, in our station, things that are blatantly unfair. Mm. Are you going to let that define you or do you find your way around it? I find that, that because I, I feel like I, I can operate on a different plane, you know, and shift my perspective when things are going a certain way. It's helped me. Now, does that happen all the time? No. I mean, I'm human. Mm -hmm. So there's times where I, I can go off, you know, and just you get stuck in that funk. But I do think that when you're able to sort of have perspective, mm -hmm. shift, and then just know who you are at the core. Mm -hmm. I, I do TV, but TV doesn't do me, you know. Yes. It, I love my job, but it doesn't define who I am. Mm -hmm. I love it. But, you know, I'm, I'm a mother. Uh, you know, I'm a Nigerian. Mm. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. Mm. Those are the things that mean everything. You know? when, if I were to die today, I don't want you to say, oh, she won how many Emmys. I want you to say Maureen was an amazing person, you know, mm. in the sense that she loved the people around her and those around her loved her. That's what I want, you yeah. know. Yeah, that's so true. That's amazing. It's keeping the main thing, the main thing, right? It's, it's, uh, yes. yeah, it's oh, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. 
Talk to us about communication skills, because obviously in the line of work that you do, and, and obviously I've watched you on TV have excellent communication skills, something that we could all use advice in, in this area, right? So talk to us about mm-hmm. the key to success when you're communicating with the public or if you're giving a presentation. What are one or two tips you can give us? The first thing is know your subject matter. Yeah. You know, if you, if you know what you're talking about, the rest is cake. And you don't go off rambling and carrying on about nonsense. Yeah. And also know when to leave. I'll just say know when to leave a party. Some people just go on and on and on. Say what you need to say and then be quiet. Mm. You know, especially us Africans, you go to these events where people make speeches <laughs> forever. I don't want to hear you. What makes you think it's so important that you need to talk for 20 minutes when you're allotted two minutes? Right. So le- less is more. Less is always more. That is so true. Absolutely. No, that's actually, that's a good point. That's true. Yeah, because I, I think sometimes we feel we have to fill a talk, right? If it's not long, we're not saying enough, but you're right. Yeah. You can say a lot in, in, in a short time. So that's, that's great to know. You know, in, t- in TV, they have a thing that says, leave them want, you know, you want them to say, hmm, not huh? Yes. So you, you want yes. people to leave them wanting more. Yes. I'd rather them say, gosh, bring her or him back yeah. than say, oh God, not him or her. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know that makes perfect sense. Talk to us, and I think I know what the answer is, but talk to us about what <laughs> your greatest accomplishment is and tell us why easy peasy my daughter Zula she is <laughs> let me tell you I I'm, I'm I had her late I, I'm a late mom you know um I just she, I feel fulfilled with mm. her, right you accomplish a lot and I've known I've always known I wanted to be a mother and this is one of the, the pitfalls of being a journalist right mm. you can be so driven that everything passes you by so there are a lot of journalists who they're not married they don't have kids because mm. you're chasing this job or yes. a career and it puts you on a track and you don't want to get pregnant and they tell I mean it shouldn't matter but you right. know right. pregnancy or marriage can derail you yes. So a lot of people put it on hold now, I didn't intentionally put mine on hold. It's just, you know, life has thrown me curveballs in the relationship department. But I knew I wanted to be a mom. And so I, again, very intentionally did that. Um, and so it's, it's everything to me because, again, it gives me perspective. Mm. And when I look at her and how happy she is, my whole world feels right. Hmm. Hmm. I love that. My whole world feels right. How old is she? Eight years old, eight going on, on, on like 18. Yeah. These kids are too advanced for their own age. My <laughs> yes, gosh. Yes. <laughs> I'd like to ask you for a little bit of advice, right? There may be people in the audience listening and thinking, you know what? I want to go into journalism. I'm considering a career in journalism or I would love to be an anchor someday. I'd love to be like Maureen. What would you oh, say goodness. to them? <laughs> what advice would you give I, I, them? I get this all the time and I do a lot of, I, I speak to a lot of, um, you know, uh, college and high school students, even grade school. And the business has changed so much. But you, the thing is, you have to be prepared and know your craft. Internships are key. Mm. In this area, they make it really hard. I don't understand why for people to do internships at radio stations, TV stations, etc. But when you're in this business, you have to be willing to move and get out of your comfort zone. Mm. So if you can get an internship mm-hmm. in a small market that's a state away or two states away, Take it. Mm. You're not going to be there long, but what you're doing is preparing yourself. You're going to get to report. You're going to get to write. You're going to get to produce and do everything that's going to prepare you for the job that you're gunning for. Mm -hmm. Now, with that Mm -hmm. said, this landscape has changed tremendously with social media. There are a lot of people who never go anywhere. They've got their iPhone and a camera, 
And next thing you know, they're social media sensations, mm. making a lot of money mm-hmm. and have a lot of followers and a lot of attention. And so there, there are many ways to skin a cat. But if, you're, if your real intent is to be a journalist, not just be on TV because you think you're pretty. Right. And with that, I'll tell you, there are a lot right. of pretty people out here. There are a dime a dozen. <laughs> But you have to have something that sustains you, especially mm. as a person of color, because mm. you're not going to get the same breaks that others will get. Mm. So you have to make sure that when that door is cracked a little bit and you kick it in, you're ready to say, I am ready to join this party. So be prepared. Know your craft. Uh, your writing skills have to be up to par. Your ad-libbing, your presentation. So mm. it's not just what you can write and say how you look. Everything mm. has to be on point. Yes. Is it a home run every day? No. But that's what you should always be going for. It can't be one component and not the other. It's got to be the total package. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think, you know, and you raise a really great point because I think in this... In this society, uh, we kind of look at the end result, right? We're like, well, Maureen looks pretty. She speaks well. I want to do what she does. But we don't see what goes right. into it in the, with anything. So right. it's, it's important that you kind of highlight <laughs> what's involved. And- it's what sustains you. And, I, you know, and I'll be very candid. You know, it's like in my career, I've had like my, my weight has been an issue for me. It fluctuates up and down. And, and the one thing I will tell you that sustains me is it doesn't matter what my weight is. My intelligence is what keeps me there. I know mm-hmm. a lot about a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's no subject you're going to throw at me that I cannot, I cannot wax about. I can go on about politics, uh, entertainment. I could be funny. I could be serious. Because I've been there and I've done that, right? Yes. And so it doesn't matter if some girl comes across and she's a size two and she thinks she's a... Look, I, I, am, I am very confident mm-hmm. no matter what. Mm-hmm. And so, but again, you have to have something that sustains you yes. beyond the physical because anything can happen to change you physically, right? Yes. So they can never take away what you know. Right. You know, right. that's always your trump card. Yeah, I love that. And, and, you know, what books do you like to read, Maureen? Do you have time to read? What are some of your favorite books? Oh, this is a sore point for me. I do love to read, but I will be honest, in, in the last couple of years, I've not really like I haven't gotten into a good juicy yeah. book. I, I love to read um, autobiographies mm. uh, because for me, it's like, I love, I love to find how people came to, to be. So that for me, I love reading those. I know the one of the last ones I read was on Strom Thurmond, oddly. And I really enjoyed it. You know, here's a man who was, um, you know, you, a lot of people knew him as he was, he was a Senator. Mm-hmm. He had a racist past, mm. but when you read his background and how he got to there and even in his relationship with the black community, uh, even going as far as having black children, you know, it's, it's just, I love to study the contrast in people yes. and to delve behind the scene. Uh, because again, these are things, everything you learn somewhere, somehow it's going to come into play in, in your, in your, in my job anyway. Mm. So no knowledge is lost knowledge, you know? Yes, yes. So that's what I love about yeah. reading. But um, that's one thing I want to do more of and also model that for my daughter. Cause I want her to see me loving reading like I used to and having her know that that is a part of how I got to be, you know? So that's important to get back into that fully. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you have time, right. To understand if you're waking up at two thirty in the morning. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, <I know. laughs> yeah. No, but I, I love how you talk about the curiosity and the fact that no knowledge is wasted. That's, that's, that's a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. I do love that. I love that. You talked about um, your media training company outside of work, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if the audience is interested in their ears have perked up, what are some of the ways they can reach out to you? Do you have a platform? Is, do you have social media? Is there an email address? How, how can people kind of follow you a little bit closer? 
So I'm on, I am on all media platforms, and you know because I work for Fox, they have sort of had our our handles are under Fox Five. Sure. So on Instagram, for instance, I'm Maureen underscore Ume. On um, on uh, Twitter, I'm Maureen Ume Fox Five. I'm also on Facebook as Maureen Ume. I have a private page and a public page. Mm-hmm. Uh, but really, you know, I'm so accessible. It's it's scary. I tell people, look, pick up the phone and call me. If you Google my name, you'll get my email address and just email me, yeah. maureen.ume at foxtv.com. Wow. And I'm pretty responsive to people because what I found is as open as I am, people, when they take the time to, to actually contact you, you get two people, either total crackpots, which luckily I don't get too many of that, or people who really want to get to you because they have a need. Yes. And I will respond yes. to that because you're no who's going to sit there and type out an email unless you need to, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I'm very accessible and I, I, I will, I, I love mentoring. Um, one thing about me is I'm incredibly real. And mm-hmm. so I'm not going to blow smoke uh, and, and, and give you some sort of false idea of where you are. You're not necessarily going to love it, but I will tell you this. I give advice that will help you. Mm-hmm. I never felt anyone's game. I'm not here to tear you down because that's not what I'm about. Mm-hmm. I love building up people. But if I see something, I'm going to tell you. Yes. And, and I would always hope it comes across from a position of love because it's not, there's no competition for me mm-hmm. in that sense. I, it's, it's me helping and reaching back. Mm. Uh, so if I am contacted, I will. As for my media management company or media um, training company, I do a lot of congressional members. So I don't even advertise that. It's by word of mouth. I see. So I train a lot of congressional members. But if there's someone who wants me to, to help them, I will do it. Uh, but it, you know, that takes a little bit more work, which is why I haven't been able to massage it into a full-blown business. Mm. Really just, if you really need me and I have the time, I can do it because I, I, I go all in. If, if you tell me I need, I will come up with a whole program for you, and we will do this. You know? Yes. So, yes. Yes. Yeah. No, it, it, it's clear, and I can tell that you're a really giving person. And actually, one of the ways that I came to know you was through the AWCAA. Um, so mm-hmm, yeah. maybe you can talk just a little bit about that. Tell the audience about um, some of the work that you do as part of that organization. So I'm new to the board, and I, you know, this is a group that came to me to actually host the event, the African Women Cancer Awareness Association, to host their events. And and every time I would host or just go, I was always so touched mm-hmm. by the women they helped, mm-hmm. and the stories saddened me so much that you know, in in our culture. Unfortunately, for some people, cancer is still such a taboo, taboo thing, mm. and people are dying unnecessarily. Mm. So here's this, this organization that many people don't know about. They're literally taking money out of their pockets and helping these women, mm. taking them to their doctor's appointments, helping find clinical studies for them, just being there for them. And they're doing it on fumes. So every fall or every spring, you have the Susan G. Coleman race, and it raises a ton of money for breast cancer research. Mm. And I kept saying, well, if they could do that kind of, why can't we do it for this other group? Yes. Um, you know, there are reasons why that doesn't necessarily happen, which I, I don't even have the answer to. Mm. But when I was asked to be on the board, I thought if there's anything I could do, again, with this platform, I need to. Mm. It's not easy to do uh, because you, you get into it with all these hopes and, and ideas and then the reality hits and it's a lot harder than you thought. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but, you know, at least the intention is there and hopefully it's not an intention that, that doesn't get carried through. Mm. Um, but I am passionate about it and I, I tell people and I'm hoping that it might be a slow build, but that mm. we, we start getting uh, the help that, that is needed for, for these men and women, mm-hmm. you know, especially women and young girls mm-hmm. who are fighting cancer and have nowhere else to go. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's, I pray 
that we can really make it the impact. Uh, 15 years the organization has been in existence. And I know for your audience, they probably never heard of it. Yeah. And so African Women Cancer Awareness Association, uh, there's a gala coming up uh, in October, mm. October 26th. Mm-hmm. Please buy a ticket, donate money. It will, it's, tax, it's a tax write-off. So, it's, it's, you know, the, you can get your money back. But, my God, the help that this organization offers is life-changing. Mm. It's life-changing. And, mm. and we all need to be part of something that's bigger than we are. Yes, yeah, that's amazing. And I will put some details about the AWCAA in the show notes so that audience, so the audience can learn more about the organization and have a link mm-hmm. to their website as well. This has been fantastic. And just, I don't, I did not forget before you go, just a couple of words in Evo. I'm going to, I'm going to start off and then you can just run from there. So. Okay. I'm going to try because you don't have to think about it. Okay. Go ahead. ahead. I think we're both going to be trying. (laughs) Maureen, Kedu, Kedu Kede. Uh, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is where it goes wrong right now. I'm thinking because also I speak Anambra Igbo, which is my mom's dialect. My dad is from is from uh, Omaha, and their mm-hmm. their Igbo dialect is more like yours. Yes. So my my dialects get confused too. So people <laughs> are like, "What are you trying to say?" <laughs> well, here's what I'm trying to say. Full stop. Is I have thoroughly enjoyed this, and I'm so honored that you thought of me to interview me. Um, I mean, this means everything. And and if if we can all just come together as Nigerian women, especially Igbo women. And just, you know, really be a, a sisterhood and a village to help each other. I think that would be a beautiful thing. And thank you for what you're doing. Because I, I believe this is the start of that 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 mission. Oh, amazing. You are so sweet. It has been a great pleasure to talk to you, Maureen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. I am sure that you enjoyed that episode with Maureen as much as I did. To find out more about today's discussion, including ways to connect with Maureen, please visit the episode show notes. The show notes are available on our website, www.vebo.com, and click on episodes. I still want to hear from you. Please reach out to me, ugochi at theebo.com. Let me know what is working and what you would like to hear more of. Thank you as always for listening. I really appreciate this engaged audience. Until next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.